into half an hour of hope with Papa Mario. <laughs> Restoration of Grace, please share on your page, share on your wall, please, so that we can we can spread this message of grace to as many stations as we can. Please, the church needs to hear this message. Uh, this uh, we have started uh, last week with with a series of um, of teachings on uh, on my my newest book called uh, Constitution of the Believer, which is uh, not yet available in English, but soon available in English and. Uh, um, uh, this, this, this book I've written based on the, on the understanding and the constitution in a republic is the highest form of legislation that that, that that country can have. It supersedes any other law, any other dictate, any other rule and regulation. And so I've decided that uh, uh, based on that understanding, I would, uh, I would write 23 basic articles on the true Christian creed, which transcend any form of tradition or religionism, and which can help us filter all that is not biblical and non-scriptural through the lenses of the love and the grace of God. Because if you don't wear the lenses of the love and the grace of God when you read this book, my friend, all you end up with is a bunch of words. Um, regulation, laws, um, rules, stuff that you must do, stuff that you cannot do, you, you must, you must, this is one of the few things that you must, you must read scripture, you must read the Bible, wearing the glasses of the grace and the love of God, otherwise you end up with religion, or the way I like to call it, religionism, which is something that will kill you, I help you, will kill you, will confuse you, will hold you down, will chain you, will hold you, hold you captive to a to a set of, of of beliefs that are not based on the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. So, a constitution created to evaluate doctrines, listen to sermons, watch videos, read books, or receive any other form of teaching in the light of the truth that sets you free. Let me make a statement here: if the truth that you hear from the pulpit on a Sunday, or from, the, from your phone, on, on, on social media, or you're reading a book, if that truth will not, does not set you free, that, my friend, is not truth. And I know, it's, uh, I know it's a hard thing to say, but it's the truth, because the truth will set, the Bible says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's why the word religion comes from the Latin word, the religale, which means to tie up again, to tie up to something. Religion, religionism will tie you up, will not make you free, will tie you up. That's why you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. So, right. So, this morning I want to share with you uh, article number five of the Constitution of the Believer. And this is what I have written. And, and again, I encourage you to, to test everything I say in the light of Scripture. Please. This is the final filter. This is the final, uh, the final sift. Through which you must you must um, you must filter everything that is said by anybody. If it's not in line with the truth, with the revelation in the Word of God, discard it. Not listen to it. So uh, I have uh, uh, written the fifth article of the Constitution as such: We are saved 
when we accept the offer of adoption made to us by God. One, and once we, be, we become children of God, nothing and no one will ever be able to unchildren us from Him. Nothing and uh, nothing and and no one will ever be able to to uh, cancel our sonship with Him. Okay. So now we are saved when we accept the offer of adoption made to us by God, and once we become children of God, we are children forever. It's an eternal relationship. John three three. Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, and He says to him. Verily, verily, I say to you that if one is not born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Let me just move this thing see why he's doing that. Okay. Alright. Uh, Jesus answered him and said, Verily, verily, I say to you that if one is not born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, what is salvation, really? For many years, salvation has been defined as the new birth. Even a, a new sub-definition of the Christian has been coined the born-again Christian, as if there were two types of Christian. No, they're not, they're not two types of Christian. It's like, uh, it's like the, 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 the parable of the ten virgins. People say uh, the, the oil represents the Holy Spirit. <laughs> no, my friend, it doesn't. You, Jesus says you've been given the Spirit, the full measure of the Holy Spirit. You don't have half measure of Spirit. You don't go and buy the Holy Spirit. You don't go. You don't, don't go and fill up your lamp with the Holy Spirit. You get the whole measure of the Holy Spirit. You've been anointed by the presence of, of Christ, Christos, the Anointed One, the Holy Spirit. Once and for all, there's no such a thing as born again Christians and not born again Christians. You are a, you are a Christian. Or you're not a Christian. You're either a sheep or you're a goat. You're either a son or you're a servant. You're either light or, or, or darkness. You're either, you're either um, spirit or flesh. There is no in-between. There is no uh, hybrid creature that is a born-again Christian. No. If you're a Christian, you're a Christian. Period. Now, what does what did the Lord really mean when He, when he said, when He made the statement to, to Nicodemus that you must be born again? Could it be perhaps that there was a little more meaning, say a deeper meaning uh, in this assertion of Christ? Here, unfortunately, we return to the usual dilemma on the fact that Jesus spoke Hebrew and not Greek, English or Italian, or Afrikaans. Uh, so the translation of what he actually said is hidden from us, because we don't have the original words that he used. However, we can rely on the original manuscripts, which are available in Greek, and see what this rather strange statement really means. Born again. Strange to the point where, where even Nicodemus says, must a man go back into his mother's womb? He couldn't understand it. So, this is what the Greek says, and forgive me my southern accent, uh, uh, but I am from South Africa, and so <laughs> my, my Greek southern accent goes like this. Amein, amein, lego, soi ean, mei tis genaho, anothen, dunamai, uda aido, basilaia theos. Which means truly, truly I say to you that if one is not born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now there would be much to say about these few wonderful words uttered by the king of that kingdom. 
But for reasons of space, I must limit myself to genau anothen, which literally translates not as born again, but rather born from above. You say, how can that be? It's easy. Unfortunately, scriptures come down to us through the pen of human beings. And they couldn't figure out what born from above could mean, and so they say born again. But the word anotin derives from the root word anti, which clearly means opposite. Opposite of what? Opposite the place where you are at the moment. So are you on earth? The opposite is the sky. Up, down, here, there, low, high. Okay, a couple of examples are the Bible translates this word, because you must always check the Bible with the Bible. So the Bible translates this word uh, 99 times out of 100 as from above. Now watch, Matthew 27, 51. The curtain of the temple was torn in two, from top and nothing to bottom. John 3:31. He, he, he who comes down from above and nothing is above all. John 19, 11, you would have no authority over me if this had not been given to you from above, anothen. John 19:23. the tunic was seamless, woven entirely from the top, anothen, to the bottom. James 1:17. every good thing and every perfect gift, gift comes from above, anothen. James 3:15. this is not the wisdom that descends from above. Anothen. There are others, there are others, but I believe you got my point. You're not born again, but you're born from above. In other words, we are born from the seed of the Most High God. We receive a new nature, a new essence, a new DNA, just as the Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter 1, 23, when he says, because now you are born again, you are born, reborn uh, from not, not from a corruptible seed, but from that immortal seed, which is the Word of God, alive and eternal. We are born from above, from a corruptible seed. And this is how the concept of children of God comes into play. We all know the, the concept of children of God, right? But it's kind of vague. Being children of God is not an abstract, mystical, clerical, religious, and uniquely spiritual thing. No! Being children of God means, imagine, being children of God, born from His incorporeal seed, containing this word called grace, and fertilized in the spiritual womb called heart, by the believer's decision, called faith. Now let me tell you something, God doesn't look at you through, okay, I'm going to use the same glasses, but He doesn't look at you through, through, through lenses tinted pink with the blood of Jesus, and he doesn't see you, he sees Jesus. No, oh, no, 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 that is wrong. That is wrong. You are a child of God. You are a new creature. You have been born away. You have been born a new creature. You have been born from above. You are perfect in Christ. You are perfect. Your spirit, your heart, your, your essence, your, your, your real you is perfect before God, not because he, he kind of pulls the wool over his head and says, okay, I'm not looking at Mario, I'm looking at Jesus. No, he's looking at Mario and he sees a son because Mario is a son. Not because Mario in Christ is a son. No, no, Mario is a son. In Christ, he positioned me in Christ and then he made me a son. And Mario is a son. I am a son of God, period. I don't need to be seen through any lenses. 
I am who I am. That's why uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if they, want, if they for one is in Christ, he becomes a new creature, a new creation, a new something, something that didn't exist before. All things are gone. Everything has become new. Salvation is nothing other than the voluntary acceptance of the Word of God in the heart of man, which produces the fertilization of his being to a new life. Just as a man and a woman unite physically in the celebration of their love in a marital bed, generating a new creature, the two shall become one. <laughs> one flesh, a new flesh. The two shall become one. They will generate a new creature. A real and tangible that was not there before. So the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of the believer come together in the bed of revelation and produce a new real but intangible creature that did not exist before. Okay, now, why do I say that this salvation is achieved by accepting the offer of adoption made to us by God? Because while the concept of fertilization as mentioned above, as mentioned before, remains more than valid, adoption is even more powerful as a concept of natural birth. Think about it. Two teenagers go out in the evening, go to the disco, drink too much, find themselves in, the, in, in a car in a dark alley, hormones explode and blah, 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 she gets pregnant. Had they planned it? No. Did they want it? No. Are they devastated by the news? Almost certainly is. Will they try to end the pregnancy? Mm, most likely. Was the birth planned? Clearly no. But in the case of adoption, as a little girl was being teased by a friend because she was adopted, said, your mom conceived you in a womb. My mom conceived me in her heart. Yes, adoption is very different. Adoption is desired. The news of the acquired, obtained adoption produce immense joy. Pregnancy is facilitated in all ways. Adoption has been planned and desired for years. And this is why Paul, instead of speaking of natural birth, speaks of adoption. In Romans 8.15, you did not receive the spirit of servitude to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, through which you cry out, Abba, Father, Galatians 4.4.5. When the fullness of time came, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we would receive the adoption. Ephesians 1, 4 and 5, In Him He chose us before the foundation of the world, to make us holy and irreproachable before Him, having predestined us in His love to be adopted through Jesus Christ as His children, according to the benevolent design of His will. Interesting is the fact that at the time when Paul wrote these epistles, adoption was not usually reserved for newborn babies. To the contrary, it was reserved for people who had the age and the power to refuse it. Wealthy Greek or Roman characters who had no children, who had crazy sons who could not be trusted with their estate, chose young people, especially male obviously, through whom they could secure a descendant. A descendancy. 
see Gaius Julius Caesar, who adopted Augustus, who adopted Tiberius, who adopted Caligula. Now this adoption had the same legal value as natural birth, and it could not possibly be repealed or overturned. So here, just like salvation, adoption was offered by grace, but had to be accepted by faith. Forever. Now, unfortunately, that this, is, this is the one thing that I have been um, fought against more than in any other, in, in any other thing that I preach or that I, that I believe. Unfortunately, this of the fact that you can lose your salvation, that you can actually be disinherited by God and cast out of the house and everything, is, 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 a, is a normal way of seeing the relationship with God in the church, in today's church. And that is so sad. Because, uh, I want to take a moment to analyze the second part of this fifth article of our Constitution. Once we become children of God, nothing and no one will ever be able to get us away from Him. Nothing and no one. So people say to me, people say, Ah, okay, Mario, so that means that once, once we've been saved, once we're children of God, we can do what we want, because in any case we are forgiven. And my question is simple, why? Do you, what do you want to do? <laughs> what do you want to do? Because if you want to do it, maybe, just maybe, you need to be born again. You need to be born from above. Because you might slip into sin, but if you're a child of God, you don't want to do it. You do it, you make a mistake, you sin, you fall, you all, lots of it, every day. But you don't want to do it. Something inside your heart goes, no, don't do that. Sin is toxic. It'll kill you. It's not right. It's wrong. It's not right before the, with, the, with the relationship that you have with your father. That doesn't change no matter what you do. Now watch. I've just received the visit a couple of months ago of a dear friend and brother, an Italian, who has come on a vacation to South Africa with his wife and son. Since the distances are considerable in this African land, the little boy had to endure up to three hours sitting at the back of the car. Now, despite being an extremely serene and peaceful child, you can well imagine how he ended up behaving towards the end of the trip. Nothing and nobody could calm him down. Now, considering the sad, sad, sad and rampant heresy of much of the traditional church, which says that if we do not do well, God takes away our salvation, sick. My friend has shown much more love than this false deity God wanted by the religionists. And God, after the first hour of tantrums and wounds of the child, would have certainly thrown him out of the window. The arrogance of such a doctrine is, to say the least, heretical and blasphemous. In other words, a human, fa a human father endures his son's anger, tantrums, yearning, uh, uh, cries, patiently repeating, come on baby, what is it? Why aren't you well? Do you want a biscuit? Do you want a dummy? Aren't you okay, my love? Why aren't you okay? Dad loves you. Don't worry. I'm here. Daddy's here. Come on. Come down, little one. I'm here. Daddy's near you. Don't worry about it. Dad loves you. This is what a human father does, while according to this doctrine, the wonderful Abba, Divine Father, the one who gave his life on the cross in the person of Jesus Christ, so that all those who wish can become his children, 
love and patience personified, then God, no. He throws you out the window. Blasphemy. Lie, 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 lie. After, after a scream too many, that God stops the car, grabs his son, unloads him in the middle of the African desert, and takes off again. Because he can't take it anymore. That is a lie. I can't, I can't put it any, any softer than that. That is a lie. If you're a son, if you're a son of God, you are a son forever. If you have a salvation, you can never lose it. Your relationship with God is safe for eternity. Period. Think about it. Use your head for a moment and stop listening to the, to the preachers and everything. Stop listening to me. Use your head. Read the Bible. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him can, will never perish but have eternal, everlasting life. If it's eternal, you can't take it away. It's a relationship forever. Okay, now. Do you realize what an insult to God is this way of thinking? A human father endures his son's sin. Or at least he should do it, like a good father, like my friend, all of his life. He would refuse to disinherit him, even though he knew very well what level of abjection, what level of sin he has fallen to. Look at Luke chapter 15 and the parable of the prodigal son, where the Bible says, Then he went and joined himself with one of the inhabitants of that country, uh, who sent him to his fields to, to, to feed the pigs. Now that word... In the Greek, joined himself. It's the word kolaho. Kolaho is where you get the word uh, collate, unite. It means it's a, it's a sexual term. He, this, this kid was in a homosexual relationship with a, with a pig, with, with a pig uh, just to be able to survive, uh, and to be able to, to have something to eat, to be able to survive. And, and, and you want to tell me that a human, human father does that and God not? God doesn't? The human father does not even let his son make the apology speech that he had prepared. Oh, my father, um, and, uh, because I'm hungry, I will go home and I will tell my father, uh, I've sinned against heaven and against you, made me one. No, 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 no. He gets home, the father doesn't even let him speak. He runs to him, he hugs him, he kisses him. The human father does not even let his son make the apology speech, but with an expression that in the Greek language could be translated as his heart broke. And the, the, the word there, where he says that uh, while he was still far away, his father saw him and took pity on him and had compassion on him. His, his heart broke. The word, the Greek word is splach nitsomai. Watch how you do it. Put your mask on it because otherwise you spit on somebody. But splach nitsomai. His heart broke. It's, it's something that comes from the inside. Love comes from the inside. This is my son. I don't care if he stinks. I don't care if he's covered with pig slob. I don't care what it is. He's my son. And he ran and he threw himself around his neck and kissed him. The, 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 the filth of the pigs that covered those four rags that the boy had on him did not discourage his father's embrace. The awareness of the son's sin did not preclude the directive given to the servants to wear sandals at his feet because only, only sons could wear sandals in the house of the father. No, but boss, 
Just look how dirty it is. I don't case my son. No, my boss. He spent all the money. I don't case my son. No, my boss. He did the, no, I don't case. My son is. My son he will always be my son. Dirty, filthy, uh, revolting. He's my son. Put sandals on his feet. The total debauchery of his son in squandering his inheritance has not kept his father from putting on his finger the ring of his authority over all the other goods he owned. The son's decision to abandon his father did not change the father's determination to ever abandon his son. It didn't touch it by one iota. Not only that, but also the ungrateful son. Listen to this. Only the firstborn, also the firstborn, the ungrateful son, who accuses his father of never giving him anything. In Luke 15, 29, 30, he says, He replied to his father, Behold, for many years I have served you, and I have never transgressed your command. But, and you never given me a small little skinny kid to party with my friends. But when the son of yours who squandered your possessions with prostitutes came. Ah, then you killed a fattened calf, fatted calf for him. Now listen, check, any, any human, any, any normal father, and especially that father portrayed, painted by religion, painted by most of the sermons coming from the pulpit these days. That father would have blasted the guy out of the house, but not the real father, not God the father. Listen, he doesn't get a rebuke, the son doesn't get a rebuke, but indeed he receives confirmation of his position as son and his consequent authority. The father said to him, son, you are always with me. He said to him, son, he said to him, son, you are always with me and everything that is mine is yours. This was a human father. How much more? Will the divine heavenly Father be? Luke eleven fifteen says, "If you then who are wicked know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask it?" Hallelujah. Okay. To summarize, therefore, salvation is the acceptance of the offer of adoption made to us by God. Behold, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. And once we become children of God, nothing and no one will ever be able to cancel our status as children. Point. Full stop. This is it. Finished. Therefore, the Article, article 5 of the Constitution declares that if the message that is preached, the instructions that are given, or the doctrines that are taught, contemplate the possibility that once the adoption offer made by God has been accepted, we can be denied by Him that message, instruction, or doctrine are drastically wrong and totally unconstitutional. Amen. Abba, Daddy God, thank you so much. Thank you for everyone, Lord Jesus, I pray. I pray for all, all those who need you at this point in time, Lord. Those who need, those who have health issues, my friend, Tigerberg, Father, help him, Abba, I pray. Help everyone who is in need of your intervention, I pray. Abba, Daddy God, thank you for blessing South Africa. Thank you for blessing all my friends.
I bless you with life and with life abundant. My friends, my sisters, my brothers, I bless you with everything that Jesus came to give us. In Jesus' name. I'll see you tomorrow. A big hug. Love you.